Greenhouse Show on KSL News Radio. All right, we're back on the KSL Greenhouse. Tim and Tan, Maria has the week off here, and the next of the garden tours is just about to take off here uh, at uh, Weber Basin Water, their Conservancy District Gardens. And the fair will go on until 2 o'clock this afternoon. The weather is absolutely perfect, and every one of these uh, garden tours has been full. So this garden tour just starting, there'll be another one at 11.30 and then at 12.30 and 1.30 this afternoon. So even if you're not here now, you'll have more opportunities to uh, uh, come in and enjoy it. really is a perfect day, Tom. It is beautiful. Just a little bit of a breeze to keep you cool. Lots of people. There's lots of things going on here. So, you know, between the tours and the educational booths, plus balloons for the kids, magicians, just everything going on. Let me throw a text at you here. John Perry's going to join us in just a minute. He's the assistant general manager here. One of our texters says, I have two beehives located near my backyard garden, a uh, vegetable garden. Big problem with squash bugs the past couple of years. Can you manage the bugs, the squash bugs, without harming the bees? You can, but it's going to involve mostly pesticide-free management. And so as those squash grow late this month into early July, they're going to be needing to do a lot of scouting. And so the plants will still be smaller, and they'll lift up the leaves, look for the egg sacs or the eggs on the undersides of the leaves. They may get some soapy water in a gallon jug and just like a tablespoon of Dawn dish soap in some water, shake that up. And then pour it around the base of the plants, especially if you've got any mulch there. The squash bugs hate that and will climb the stems. You can pick those off and put them into another bucket of soapy water. If you use a pesticide, something like permethrin, but I get the caution because you don't want that anywhere near those squash blossoms. And so I would really focus on non-pesticide methods of scouting and hand removal to avoid harming the pollinators. All right. And then you mentioned you're picking up a couple of trees. Mama wants you to grab on the way home today. Yes. We have a question that will be instructive to many out there. Should I cut the burlap bag off the bottom of the tree purchased at Costco or leave it on and will it decompose? I would cut it off, but what you're going to do is dig your hole, get the tree in the hole, get a little bit of dirt in the bottom of the hole so the trees can stand on its own, and then you gently get in there, cut the twine away with a sharp knife. You don't if the burlap is just brown burlap, it will decompose. If it's green, you need to get it off because it has a fungicide on it that will stop it. But you cut that burlap away carefully, bury the tree in, and then once that twine is removed, that tree will need to be staked for one calendar year from the date of planting. Hmm. All right. Hopefully that answers your question. John Perry is back with us now. Uh, you've got to be happy with this day. I mean, the, the crowds, the weather, everything's working out perfectly. Absolutely. I don't think we could have asked for anything better. You know, perfect weather, perfect crowd, a little bit of shade over here where we're working. So it's been great. I mentioned off the top of the the show when Scott joined us uh, at the very beginning that I would imagine one of your main messages this year is the same message you guys give every year, but particularly this year when people may become a little complacent about conservation because we've had great snowpack and every story talks about how all the you know rivers are flowing and the reservoirs are full. Now's the time when we could really conserve and make some headway. 
Absolutely. I mean, conservation, it's its kind of a way of life and a behavior shift, right? We just need to be looking for these opportunities regardless of what the water year looks like. And, and we've seen this before. We have great water years followed up by several dry ones. And so well, we don't and, want to get too complacent. Yeah, and even with that, even though we've had a record water year, it doesn't make up for the six or seven dry years previously, and we're still in a deficit. Absolutely. Our aquifers still have a, a ways to go as far as the groundwater. We we do have you know 20-some-odd wells that we operate here to get water to our, our customers, and so we're looking to recharge those aquifers. The Great Salt Lake's a huge concern as of late, and so that's got to come up several you know and it's still you know this good water year has given a band-aid fix that will get us a couple of years but if this dry weather continues it's going to continue to stream to uh reduce its size and we need to that we don't not only the toxic dust but that great salt lake moderates our climate makes us cooler in the summer warmer in the winter and we would be having some similar weather to Cache Valley if that lake dried up. Yeah, it's it's a great natural resource, and I, I think we take it for granted a lot of times. But it, it's something we should be working to protect, and, and where we've got opportunities to just be good stewards of the water resources that we're given, that's what we need to be doing. Two years ago, uh, we did a complete, well, not complete, but a sizable uh, fix on our backyard where we were... Um, looking forward to taking out some turf, but also looking forward to putting in some hardscape areas, some walkways where the dogs just tear it up anyway, running gate to gate, chasing things they can never catch. (laughs) Uh, But this is a good year to be thinking about where you can remove the turf and put some things that are going to enhance your living space outside because year after year that becomes a bigger and bigger thing. Yeah, I think we're all looking for places, uh, gathering areas, if you will, in our yards, whether they're fire pits or the sports courts or just the pathways that we're constantly traversing. I mean, those are areas that we are, are great uh, candidates for the turf removal and something else to go in those areas. And so, absolutely, this is a good year. Uh, get on top of those projects. Come see what you can you know, gather here at our learning garden. We've got demonstrations of all those things, and so come give us a visit. And all of the vendors that are here, Ton, you mentioned some of them, and we ran through them with John one of the last times, but there are things to learn here that we haven't even talked about probably. Yeah, there are. I mean, one thing, I'm more familiar with the Extension Master Gardeners. That's kind of my wheelhouse. Yeah. But if you have plant questions, you know, what's wrong with my plant? The Master Gardeners here can help with that. But there's also folks that can help with suggestions on landscaping, make suggestions for plants. You know, the tours will do that. The vendors out there, you know, there's all sorts of vendors, but a lot of them have a lot of plant experience themselves that can help. John, we often assume people know where you are, but explain how to get here. Yeah. So we're located at 2837 East Highway 193 in Layton, Utah. So that's just south of the mouth of Weber Canyon. So if you're going up 89, uh, take the 193 exit. If you're coming down 89, take the 193 exit. But we're just south of the Weber Canyon. Coming off I-15, the 700 south exit in Clearfield, come east. The last turn you can make going north before you hit 89 and you'll be here. That's right. You should see a couple water tanks. So if you see those tanks, you're close to us. All right. Uh, Todd and I will be here till the top of the hour. John and his crew at it till 2 o'clock this afternoon, so you've got plenty of time. Uh, Kevin in Centerville, let's see if we can help you out here before we take a break. Welcome. Yeah, I put in, uh, I had some quack grass in my lawn. I took out about a foot or two area and put down easy seed and about seven, eight years ago. And now it seems like the easy seed, whatever grass is in there, has spread like a eight, ten foot area and it constantly looks dry. Is it 
trying to use too much water? What kind of seed is it? Do I need to replace that? Well, Easy Seed is a brand, and from year to right. year, the species of grass in it can change. And so I couldn't really tell you what is in there. The only thing I could really say is hit a garden center to look at the seed analysis to see what's there. Uh, and this isn't exclusive to, say, Easy Seed, but a lot of these lawn patches, no matter who makes them, oftentimes have seeds that will germinate quickly but are inferior in look and in performance to more expensive grass seeds. Yeah, well, it seems to be always dry and it doesn't look different than the lawn. <laughs> yeah, and so you may have some fescues in there that are wider bladed, but those would be a little more drought hardy. Sometimes there's some red fescues, but they they oftentimes contain a different mix of seed than what you planted before, which is usually just either a rye Kentucky bluegrass mix or just straight Kentucky bluegrass. I love the fact we're having I love the fact we're having this conversation because I see these commercials all the time, and they're either spraying it on or it comes in a bag that you know has all of this uh, whatever in it to hold moisture, and you pack it in there, and then they'll show the the after shot, and it looks just like nothing ever happened. Yeah, yeah, and and it's not true, especially no. after two or three years. And I've actually heard fairly well-placed information. We could call them probably true rumors that some of the <laughs> national horticulture companies that sell lawn and garden products purposely do not use the best seed really? they can so that you have to buy the fertilizer to keep it looking nice. Oh, wow. And so it's one of those things that if you go to a local garden center or do your research on varieties ahead of time, that the best place to get your grass seed oftentimes isn't a box store. Hmm. So, Would it pay to overseed it all? You could try that, and what you would do is just get a bag of grass seed and try overseeding it. But you may, it sounds like this is, a, if it's taken over a 10 by 10 foot area, it outcompetes the Kentucky bluegrass. And so you may need to remove it and reseed with something closer to what you already have. Oh, goody. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, just what you needed. Another project, Kevin. Yeah. I appreciate your call. We appreciate you being out there listening, too. Uh, we need to take a break, so we'll do that. We'll uh, talk to Dallas and Salt Lake City, Sherry and Ogden, and we'll put a wrap on this uh, week's KSL Greenhouse on the road today at Weber Basin Water. Hope you'll come and enjoy the fair till 2 this afternoon. All right, welcome back to the KSL Greenhouse. Tom's uh, doing his business here, helping listeners who have pictures. That was always one of my favorite parts is being here when people bring pictures because uh, it really is so much easier for you or Larry or whoever's in that chair to diagnose a problem when you're looking at it. Yeah, uh, the listener has a really patchy grass with it almost looks like maybe a fescue to where some of the clumps are doing well and then it died out. I think the answer is to reseed it, but you'd like you said, you'd want to fluff it up, you know, with a rake, maybe aerate it really heavily and put the new seed down. And then you'd have to keep the animals off, the pets off it until it reestablished. Yeah. We not only aerated this year, for the first time we uh, got somebody in and I told them, I want a power rake, which I know is sort of a dirty term, but uh, I just wanted it to barely scrape the top to mm -hmm. move some of the uh, dead grass out. The guy we had actually did the aeration, the uh, power raking, and hauled away all of the dead grass. 
uh, I would have paid him $1,000, but I didn't have to do that. Uh, <laughs> well, there's actually a – I need to find more information. There's a guy out that has a company that does lawn leveling. Oh. And – Depending on what you need to do, it can be a little expensive, but he actually has equipment that will spread sand or soil and scrape it to an exact depth so the grass will fill in on top of it, and he'll completely, you can almost golf on, or like putt on top of it when he's done. Wow, those guys are worth gold these days. Uh, Dallas is in Salt Lake City. This is an interesting question. Grapes and squirrels. Uh, (laughs) What's going on? Hi, you guys. Hi. Um, Tom, I took your advice a couple of years ago, two years ago, in fact, and gave my Concord grape uh, vine uh, a real good haircut. In fact, I chopped it down to a three-foot stump. It was hard to do in my heart. Um, so last year I had modest growth and just a few grapes, and uh, the squirrels got them even when they weren't ripe, you know, so no big deal. Fast forward to this year, the thing is gone kaboom. And it's beautiful, and I probably have 50-plus clusters of little BB-sized grapes, and, um, you know, I'm just really excited. And so on the top of the canopy of this lush vine are, like, you know, vines still growing up two feet tall, reaching for something. Now, since the grapes seem to be already set, do I want to break that new growth off or something to put keep the energy down into the into the basic part of the vine? I mean... At this point, no, but in the fall, yes, you will. So what I would do now, are your grapes on a fence, you said? No, they're growing up the the trunk of an American oak tree. Okay. So what I would, I mean, if you're going to treat this more like a production grape, what you would do is, and there's, you'd probably use a method to where you're basically just giving the grape a haircut so it looks like um, Cousin It got a crew cut that's the best way i can describe it so what you'll do yeah and it's there's a certain pruning technique to do this but this fall what you'll do is all those vines where the main trunk comes up and starts to branch out you'll cut that back to probably 18 inches to two feet and actually i would do that next april all right okay very good so um uh when I walked out the front door this morning, it's only 20 feet from my front stoop, and sure enough, there was a squirrel right above the vine uh, sitting in the tree. He ran down into the into the beautiful bush, and I just froze and washed him, and there he was just kind of carefully stretching <laughs> around amongst the things. And I'm like, my gosh, the gall of that thing. Yeah. And it just irked me because I want every cluster grapes this year. They're concord, and they're delicious. I mean, does that does that fiberglass mesh that I've used on cherries that doesn't seem to work? No, really I mean, quick. We're running out of time. But sorry. what I would do is call your local animal shelter to see what the policy is for you out on trapping, and you may be able to rent some live traps from them to see if you can get it and maybe relocate it or see what they want you to do with it. Okay, it's it's really a problem. Thirty years ago, when I moved here, you couldn't buy a squirrel. Yeah, and now it's not so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Dallas. All right. Thanks, Sherry. We only have like uh, thirty seconds here. Ask your question, and then Ton will answer real quick as we wrap things up. Okay. Hi. Thank you. Last year we had fungus. All the squash died. I'm in South Ogden. I know people, as far as Payson, had the same thing going on. 
Um, you told me it was a fungus. I put plastic this year down and I'm not planting in that area at all. Is that smart thing to do? That's fine. Or should I do? Yeah, you okay. don't need to do anything with the soil other than that and just let it be. Okay. Sherry, all right. All right. Thanks for your patience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, as we wrap up, John Perry's back with us one more time. What do you want people to know about what's left of this day? Hey, there's still a lot of great opportunities and great things, events, and, and activities to participate in here. So come on down, uh, participate in our, our garden tours, uh, our water treatment plant tours taking place here at noon again. Yep. Uh, so come to that. we got another magician show here starting shortly and then one more at 1 o'clock. So Come and take advantage of everything we've got. Come and learn from some experts. Come and see what you can incorporate into your yard, how you can be more water-wise and, and good steward of this limited resource. Learn about how your water's treated and how it makes it to you. Uh, just come and take advantage of it. If you can't make it today, I mean, our garden's open year-round, so come and take a look at it. Things are starting to bloom different times of the year, different plants of different interests, and so uh, always something new here, and, and just remember us and come take a look at it. Yeah. Uh, it's going on till 2 this afternoon. Thanks for having us, John. We've had a great time. Ton, my old friend, uh, it's been fantastic it's been to great. see you. It's always nice to get an email from you, but it's better to see you face-to-face. Yeah, maybe Maria will do some more vacations. <laughs> I'm sure she wouldn't argue <laughs> with that, actually. Thanks again for listening today. Uh, Tim Hughes, I'll be back with you on Monday for Utah's Morning News starting at 5. Join Ton next week for more of the KSL Greenhouse here.